Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erechor. Agasuligum, a Makan Shah, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winter Fame. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Pashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. The Entolamaginom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Welcome to the throw-in independent.ie's JA podcast. I'm Will Slattery, and on today's special extra episode, I caught up with Joe Brawley to discuss his remarks about Pat Spillane on last Sunday's episode of the Sunday game. Do you think you were a bit harsh on Pat, though? Like, I watched the uh, original broadcast of the night with him and Colm, and it seemed that they were just, got, you know, fairly fact-based. You know, he put his hands on the lines. I mean, that's a 12-week ban. You know, it's, it's a tough ban, but that's the end of it. But you obviously felt a bit different. I don't know. I mean, you know, don't don't try to kid a kidder. I mean, I thought it was I thought it was carefully crafted. I have to say, I didn't think. I mean, you know what my view is of the original incident. I mean, if they're if they're effort on the red card immediately, then you know there can be no complaints about that. But they clearly took the view that in the circumstances he hadn't gone over the line, and once you sort of put the slow move on it, etc., and yeah. You read out the indictment the way Pat did. <laughs> it was going to make it very difficult. Now, I know that they, as they will, of course, the CCCC say, oh, well, we're not influenced by that. But, I mean... Do you think they are? That, um, I, I do believe absolutely that they are. I know a lot of the CCC boys, and I'm, I've been involved in a wide lot of cases over the years. And uh, it's funny the ones that are selected out and the ones that aren't. Um, anyway... There it is. So it's if, all a bit of fun. If you're commenting on incidents after matches, are you do you have that in the back of your mind that if you say something about a particular incident that it could be more or less likely to be picked up on? I told the story the other night, sort of just whenever we were uh, waiting to go on air, the head of sport had come in, etc. You know, and I told him a story about something that I'd crafted once. You know, and I mean the jaws were dropping. But I mean, why would they drop? Of course, we've got a lot of influence, and um, you know. Uh, I think that particularly, um, I mean, for example, one thing that was thrown up at me in social media this week was, you know, well, what about you and Sean Gavin? Well, I mean, I was, of course, enraged about that because for me, you know, that behavior was beginning to destroy the game. That sort of, because at that stage, of course, there was no proper sanction and there, and there still isn't. But I mean, at least there's some sanction. Now. There was no sanction in relation to cynical fouling. So it was become an open season and it was absolutely enraging to watch it happening. And um, 
And so, you know, I made no apologies for that because, you know, it wasn't... I mean, we saw exactly what was done and we all knew what was happening to the game at that stage of a player got through at all. He was just being pulled out. I mean, it was becoming systematic and part of the tactics of the game. And, you know, my point was, I mean, obviously I was enraged by how it sort of destroys the spirit of the game, but my point was, look, this is now becoming par for the course. So, I mean, it's a very, very different thing. In this case, I would have thought the factors were very finely balanced. There's no doubt that, you know, Dermot um, touched him and all of that. We've been through all this many times. Mm. I thought that was, you know, studied. <laughs> and so did Desi Dolan, you know. Desi kept saying, you know, before we were done, he says, I knew what he was doing. No, I knew what he was doing. You know. and, uh, but just, anyway, just look, because he's good. from Kerry. It's all, look, look, look it's, all, it's, all, it's all good fun. And I think it also... It also, more than anything, it illustrates the independence of RT. I mean, Graham Sinis said once that, he said you could never, he said on Sky, you know, everything's very rehearsed. I mean, you, you must always compliment the product. You must be very, very careful, very political. Whereas in RT, we've just got, you know, I think that's the point that comes from this, from this and from any of the debates that go on. We've got complete independence. So each each analyst is, is able to express his view. And... Uh, is this is long, it, long, long, long may that continue? You it, know, because it's a major problem. You know, is this an RT in, master in, plan in, to get you and Pat front and center? You know, going back and forth. No, no. I suppose that you know, their RT is RT is a national broadcaster. Their 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 default position is safety. You know, to sort of be careful, and you know they have all sorts of guidelines and all of that about balance, but. We're just, um, I mean, we're our our independence is guaranteed, and I mean, it's like in the end, I mean, talk to this me and Des Dolan, we're talking about it afterwards, you know, saying like, you know, I mean, it's all just a bit of crack at the end of the day talking about football. I mean, the next morning I was going to start a very very serious sexual assault case. You know, this is football. This is our leisure, our fun, our recreation. You know, and. Uh, I, I I must say I really enjoyed the program the other night and I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. It Although I don't think I don't, I, I don't think the Dermot Connolly thing was. I mean, I thought for me the down the down performance at the weekend and bringing us back to the as Jim McGinnis describes today in the United States, bringing us back to the to the championship of the eighties and nineties, you know, which was a hair raising experience and where everyone put everything on the line, you know, and that's sort of in a way what was forgotten in the the rush towards formulaic football, that the starting point must be that you give it everything and you put everything in the line. So you look at the very anemic performance of Westmead against Dublin on Sunday, where at no stage where they put their bodies on the line, really fit lads who are super fit and, and well able to put their bodies on the line. And you compare and contrast that with Down, and I think that Down have reminded us all that the starting point for championship is extremism. And I just wanted to get your opinion a bit about Jim Gavin's remarks. We haven't seen him that animated probably before. Uh, what did you make of his, his outburst and kind of his contention that, you know, until the referee's report comes in, you shouldn't be allowed to comment on an incident? Yeah, well, I think that I'm not, I'm not sure about that. And obviously, you know, manager, any manager worth his salt will defend his players to the hilt, whether it's Alex Ferguson or, you know, Jim McGuinness or Jim Gap or Mickey Hart, you know, they will, regardless, I mean, should black be white, they will defend their players. And that's core, that's key, because the the loyalty of the group, if the group is disloyal, 
mean, you see, for example, what's happening in Mayona, where it's known that there are factions and, and, and that there are problems. And you can see that they're playing that way. You know, they just do not play together as a as a loyal unit. I mean, um, David Clark will know that he's been lobbied against as the keeper in the past. You know, Pat Holmes has written that um, Alan Dillon specifically asked, asked him why Andy Moran was starting ahead of him, that Andy Moran should be benched in favour of him. And you know, you know that there's that disloyalty. With Dublin, you don't get that. You know, it's like it's like Tyrone or it's like Eamon Fitzmaurice's Kerry or any Kerry team you care to remember over the years. So the manager must stick with his players. And I think that, you know, there's no doubt that there is a feeling abroad in, in the Dublin group that uh, that Dermot does get singled out for unfair treatment, you know. And, I mean, we do know that, I mean, there are so many pictures over the years of him having the jersey ripped off. <laughs> remember the Duddy Gall boys talking about it in the All-Ireland semi-final in 2011, the, the infamous game 7-5, where they talked about specifically targeting Connolly. And then, you know, they did get him sent off. The red card was rescinded. If, I don't know if you remember the Duddy Gall man lay down and held his face, etc. And so he is, he is sort of perpetually in the eye of the storm. And... I mean, it, 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 I think it's we- psychologically it's wearying, no doubt. I mean, one of the points that Colin made on the night was, of course, right, that the great forwards must expect attention. But that must be matched by the officials' attention to what's happening. And um, What sort of attention did you, you know, get in your career? Well, I mean, I, I invited it. You know, I brought it on and I like to create <laughs> an atmosphere of me being the sort of the the fulcrum and, you know, you better suppress me because if you don't, you know, we're going to beat you and we're going to... I like to sort of put myself out there because psychologically it was... I just felt that it worked, you know. Um, but <laughs> I have a very sentimental view of my football career that might not necessarily be everyone's. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not think it'll be a bit of a distraction for Dublin Jim Gavin bringing this Connolly kind of situation back to the forefront when it, no, it appeared that it was no, kind of out of the... No, I just, I just, I just think that it, it creates your classic sort of, you know, we're all together here. You know, there must be, there must have been discontent in the group. There must have been significant discontent about the suspension, and I would imagine that they would be very dubious because the questions that they asked, the clarification questions that they asked, were all about. As I understand it, the, the correspondence after the game between CCC and referee—you know, when was it that the first request? You know, when was it that the first contact was made? Was there email correspondence? How come that? How come this? Uh, the the allegation of cushion was only made in an additional notes and addendum to the referee's report. Why was it not in the referee's report? The actual referee's report. Um, all those questions and I think they get very very unsatisfactory answers but in the end I think they just say well look we're on a beaten docket here we can't win this now because once once it's in the referee's report then the referee and official are protected from any question or any cross-examination But uh, Jim's comments though he said that he got advice from senior counsel that if they had pursued it that it would have been dropped Well I mean I I mean I was publicly advising them in the sense that I mean on the airwaves etc I thought that this was a very good case to bring to the DRA because I thought that, you know, the DRA would look at the circumstances and they would look at the... I think that the DRA would probably have said, look, the, the, the definition of the offence is far too vague. Anything can... 
can can be this offence and it needs to be redrafted and we suggest something along the following lines. But we do think that the referee's role and the official's role in the field are paramount and where they clearly are aware of an incident happening, you know, it's not a case of missing it, then um, they, you know, they're, they must be left to sort of exercise their discretion accordingly. And I did think that you had a very strong prospect of success. But I think they obviously just thought, look, this, this media circus, you know, I mean, in a way, it's that, like, you know, the media loves friction, as you know and I know, you know, and we all play that game. But in relation to Dermot, there was such a focus on him all over the country. And, you know, it was great news. And it was like, you know, it was like a sort of a, I don't know, like one of these celebrity divorces in the old days, you know, where it's, you know, Somebody's caught having sex in a broom cupboard and they get tapsed around after for weeks and months, you know. So I think that they just wanted to get back to, you know, just get out of the storm. Yeah, so are you looking forward to being back on air with Pat Spillane now? He can, he can have a say. Aye, look, I mean, Pat's a big boy, you know, and Pat said many the thing about me. You know, Pat gives a disloyal interview about me once from the call with faces. And... You know, people were ringing me and saying, like, and I, I was shocked myself, but I realised... What did he say? You know, I'm, I'm, I can't exactly remember now, but I remember at the time people were ringing me and saying, bloody hell. But Pat's a big boy, you know, and um, I, I have no I have no issues with Pat. Like, um, I mean, we wouldn't be friends, like, but I have no problems with him. Mm. And he's entitled to his opinion on this idea of whether he wasn't there to protect himself. I mean, Pat's got a massive public profile and he's got a newspaper call every Sunday you know, and he knows what he did I mean, he went he went over the top there's no doubt about that because some people and, are um, uh, kind of criticising you and Desi and kind of Des Cal for kind of letting the conversation crime. go that way even though hey, Pat wasn't there but, hey, listen, so be it you know it's, uh, this is this is this is, the, this is the this is the beauty and the frustration of free speech I mean there wasn't anything that I hadn't written I'd written it mm. and I'd said it before so it's not, I mean, but isn't it funny that in the weekend where we had one of the most electrifying championship matches of recent years, that we're now just discussing this? <laughs> That's the beauty of it. There's so much talking points. You know, the dubs are all, the dubs are all, like I'm a hero with the dubs now, you know, a villain with the Kerry folk. <laughs> you know, all that. I mean, it's all, but it's all sort of panto villain stuff. Yeah. I mean, in two weeks' time, I'll get an invitation to a club in Kerry for a fundraiser and I'll get a hero's welcome there. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a, it's sort of, Panto villain stuff. I mean, look, it's done now. He's going to serve out his 12 week suspension. I mean, I think the main issue about all of this is how draconian that particular suspension is. And that the GA need to look at a graded system of punishment for that. They need to give a range and then decide where something occurs in that range. Because I mean, the fact that you're banned from playing the games altogether at any level for 12 weeks for such a minor incident is clearly excessive. So, I mean, if nothing else, it'll give an opportunity to review that rule. Uh, Joe, I'd like to get your opinion on one of the games next weekend. You kind of mentioned Mayo and, and maybe they're going through a bit of a bad patch. They're obviously playing your own county, Derry. Do you give your county any chance of going up to Castlebar and causing a shock? Well, you know, normally Derry teams of other periods, you would say, look, this is, this is man from heaven. You know, I mean, I think that Mayo were extremely vulnerable at fullback. Uh, I mean, they've brought back Jared Cafferty, but he can't handle a high ball at all, you know, and he's, uh, he's good at shepherding players to the wings, but 
and Kerry made it the linchpin of their strategy in the 2014 semi-final to go after him. And I mean, it was just spectacularly successful, goal after goal, point after point. Bernard Brogan did well in them in 2013 as well. Well, and that was a deliberately rehearsed move where they isolated them one on one, and they, they Flynn put the ball in the air on top of the two of them. I mean, Bernard Brogan's not a big man, but he easily flicked the ball to the net. So. You know, it's a, and it's a constant problem to me in full back line. You know, I mean, Higgins is injured, which in a way is a, or he's out, but which in a way is a blessing because he's never been a cornerback. I mean, the stats against him are astonishing. You know, the scores that James O'Donoghue piled up and then didn't score against Donegal. I mean, that made James, that semi final sequence made James O'Donoghue player of the year. Paddy Andrews, destruction of him. I mean, even in the league this year. The Cavan corner forward, I think, four, at least four points and maybe five points from play against him. He's not a. The problem is he's not a cornerback, and they've shoehorned him in there. And you know the difference between cornerback and halfback is like the difference between cornerback and corner forward. Very, very different jobs. And Mayo, as things stand, don't have a specialised fullback. You know they don't have a specialised man marker. Mm. And so I mean, I mean, and and they're vulnerable. I mean, Aidan O'Shea is clearly not psychologically at it and I think that the big problem with them now is that I don't think they believe any longer I think that the stuff has been knocked out of them and I think that you know for a couple of years now that there are large elements in the group who are thinking about well what what will we do if we don't win you know what are we going to do tomorrow night or what will we do on Monday night and you know, it's not life or death with them. And I mean, I made that point on Sunday night because it's one of the most fascinating stories in recent Irish sport. Why is it that they haven't pushed through definitively? Why is it that they haven't? And the reason is that they haven't really gone to the wire. They haven't done what Down did against Monaghan. Just go for it like savages and go for it for 70 minutes. Oh, well, like the, the performance is like the 2013 every, quarter final, yeah, the 2012 yeah, yeah, semi-final were very impressive though. Yeah, but it's all well and good. I mean, they can get every score except the crucial one. They can come from seven points behind, but they can't go the one point ahead to win the game. You know, they've done it umpteen times. They've lost every replay that they've played in. And uh, that tells its own story. You know, that's about going to the wire. You know, with no no thought of tomorrow. This is it. This is life or death. This is where our lives are now. And um, And some players in the team have been able to do it but not all of them, and not key players, not key players like Aidan O'Shea, for example, who's you know, never pushed through when it really mattered. You know, that's life. You know, I mean, that's life. That's just the, the personalities, that's the characters. This is... Um, but again, Aidan O'Shea you know, has played very well in some get quarterfinals, some big semifinals. Like, uh, those games matter too. There's massive... Yeah, but there's a massive difference between playing well in the quarterfinal and pushing through on the biggest day whenever the stakes are at their highest and whenever the opposition is giving it everything where they're not stepping back you know I mean I noticed a couple of things you know I know there was an an altercation as as they walked into the tunnel a few years ago after a big semi-final in Crump Park one of the Dublin boys had had a crack with his shoulder you know other members of the Mayo team had to intervene I mean this year Matty Donnelly after the Mayo their own league game. Matty and Aidan were holding each other. They were Matty was crossed, Mayo had won their point. And they were holding each other. Matty clocked him, hit him with a right a straight right on the chin, you know. I mean Aidan backed away, you know, very fearfully and he just thought, 
keepers. Well, I mean, this is a six foot five guy who's just been hitting the seas. You know, imagine doing that. Imagine doing that to Paul Galvin or somebody like that. But there's an element of him not wanting to get a ban, like being in a Dermot Connolly situation where he picks up a lengthy ban for retaliating and throwing a flurry of punches. Sometimes sometimes you just have to get locked. Sometimes you're locked into it. You know, and that's the thing. There's And you've summed it up there yourself. I've just never felt that... You know, whereas... I mean, say whenever Philly McMahon ended up marking him, Philly just went to the well. Like, I mean, the ball came in and it was just... It was life or death. Like, Philly wasn't interested in anything else. And... Philly won every ball. You know, Philly dominated a guy who was half a foot bigger than him. That's life, you know, that's their characters. Hmm. Don't be misrepresenting this with a big headline, you know. <laughs> but, but, no, but you know what I mean? It's yeah. easy to do that. I'm just trying to talk realistically about it and get to the bottom of it all. But, uh, I mean, and, and that's there with him. I think that there's a real a, a realisation now that it's over. I mean, clearly it is over. And um, the, the the shroud of death is upon them. Oh, they're still in the championship. Uh, you, you would have thought the same last year when they got knocked into the qualifiers. It's sort of different last year. You know, it could be treated as a one-off. But now, you know, this pattern has emerged and you can see that they're so lacking in confidence up front. They weren't able to take advantage at all in the last quarter against Galway. They had an open goal, which they missed, which Dublin or Kerry or Drone would have feasted on that. I mean, it would have been, this is it, game over. Missed an open goal. Three against one and they still missed it. No keeper in the nets. That would have won the game for them. I mean, um, the fullback was destroyed against Galway. And so I think there must be there are problems and uncertainties all over the field and not the sort of certainty that's required. So let me compare and contrast very simply. I could double it on Sunday. Right? Westmeath would go out and give me a game. They might not beat them, but they would definitely go out and give them a game. Because they would move the ball into that full forward line, and that full forward line would make hay against Mayo's fullback. But Mayo played the West Meath in the qualifiers so, last year and beat them well. Yeah, and, and nearly were beaten by Fermanagh until until they got a very dubious penalty. You know, well, as you you know, I mean, look at just look at the difference, and look at, for example, you know, whenever I mean, Toronto in their pump, or Donegal in their pump, or Carrier in their pump, you know, they just come in, they just come in roll over teams like that. So, Derry are not in a good place, but I think the Derry boys themselves realise this is an ama- this is an amazing opportunity. You know, first game in the qualifiers for me, you know, I think it's fortunate for them that they're in Castlebar. Derry have been so poor, that's the only thing, you know, if we had any form, any semblance of confidence. So they're going to have to be, they're going to have to put it together very, very quickly. But I think they'd be pretty alert to, to Mayo's weaknesses. And, um, but, you know, even if Terry were able to play the way down to it and give it everything, just get stuck into them, forget tomorrow, get stuck into them, then I think we could beat them. Thanks, Joe. Um, I think Mio I think, I think were in a, you know, I just think it's all over. And um, I think that the manager has sort of, you know, when you've still got Alan Dillon on the panel and he hasn't kicked the ball this year, and you've still got Barry Moore on the panel and he hasn't kicked the ball this year, and you haven't really blooded young players and you've got no confidence in them and you're still going to Andy Moran as you're starting to corner forward. I mean, Andy's a very, very, very good footballer. Don't get me wrong. But when you're still in that situation, meanwhile, the dubs have cut Paddy Andrews and Bernard Brogan sitting on the bench, bringing them on as impact subs near the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the, 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 
you know, Kerry or Kerry and Dublin and Tyrone and are just they're just accelerating away from where where Mio are now, you know. Thanks for that, Joe. And that's all we have time for this week. If you want to listen to us, you can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or get us on independent.ie. And we'll be back next Monday to review the Leinster Hurling final as well as the Munster football final. So until then, thanks for listening and goodbye.